Welcome back to an all-new episode of DirtCast. I am your host, Madeline Davies. I'm your other host, Megan Reynolds. And we are kind of romancing it up. It's Valentine's Day, (laughs) if you're listening to this on air date. It's true. Maybe you should light some candles. Dim the lights. Draw baths. Draw baths. Sink in there. Incense, if you don't like candles, also works. Sure, like an incense cone. A cone, yeah. Not as oppressive as as the stick in my experience. We have a great episode. <laughs> Our very own pop culture reporter Hazel Sills angel, is joining us to discuss angel. the uh, rise and fall of the pop star purity ring. Miley Cyrus had that great quote when she was a tween where she said something along the lines of, you know, a lot of girls are really starting to fall these days. There was ever a more sexy topic. <laughs> that not It's not fucking. Um, <laughs> the not fucking in the 2000s. Um, anyway. Quite sexy. Megan. Yes. My Valentine. Yes. Yes. How's it going? Um, it is going well. It's Olympics. Yeah, you are a big Olympic head. I love the Olympics. And figure skating is your main job, or do you like the rest of the stuff too? I think in order for the Winter Olympics, figure skating, then downhill skiing, then, um, the snowboarding in the half pipe. Cool. Yeah, really cool. Cool stuff. <laughs> I'm awesome. How I mean, are you? whatever. I like am not huge into the Olympics, but I'm like very jealous of people who are. I just love the spectacle. I know. Well, it seems like you guys have like a glimmer of optimism and joy in the midst of these dark oh, yeah. times. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, it's nice to feel like good about something, even though it's like largely meaningless and does not take away from like the rest of the garbage. Yeah. But it's still fun. It's fine. It's a solve. <laughs> it is. Um, how are you, my dear? I'm doing all right. I um, as you well know, yes, have had Invisalign on mm-hmm. my teeth mm-hmm. since June. Today I finished the course of my treatment. You're free. And my teeth are again perfect. They are. I can see them from here. I did they have to this was the problem though. So basically yes. Invisalign, they put little like studs on your teeth. Uh-huh. They glue them like little plaster studs uh-huh. and then like a tray molded like your teeth clicks uh-huh. into them and that is sort of how they manipulate the shape of your teeth uh-huh. so she took off the studs okay and then she was like i would like you to get a, te- a tooth cleaning because then they're going to glue on a permanent retainer and then oh ah, yes yeah she's like i don't want the, the yeah. behind she's like i don't want to do all your teeth so were are, like, like have like plaque or whatever obviously on makes sense not that i i mean it had been like seven months okay that's the appropriate um, amount of time yes but I have really sensitive gums, mm. and my gums played so much that she was like, <laughs> I cannot glue the permanent retainer on. Oh, my God. She's like, your blood is continually <laughs> making, like, the plaster just slip off. She's like, it will not stay on. She didn't use the, the little sucky thing didn't help. You know that little, like, Oh, the sucky monster. thing was going. But, yeah, so it's like, it was just one of those things where she was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to be fucking done. Right. And then it was just like, mm. no, bitch. No, you're coming m- back. Sorry, blood mouth. <laughs> so we talked about getting clean. We did. Oh, I see. Okay, we're going to talk now. About getting fucking dirty. It's time for the dirtiest dirt. Kim Cattrall's feud with Sarah Jessica Parker is has 
popped off <laughs> in ways that none of us could prepare for. I am really living for and loving this. So recently, Kim Cattrall's brother died. Sarah Jessica Parker, she wrote a, in a comment on one of Kim's Instagrams something that was like, so sorry for your loss, condolences. It was like, it was nice. It, it was like boilerplate. Yeah, it was like what you say when like, some when you have to say something, but like you don't want to get too personal. So she did that. Kim Cattrall um, did not take kindly to this and called out Sarah Jessica Parker on Instagram in a photo. I don't need your love or support at this tragic time at Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, jeez. Well, uh, may I please, please read the caption? I would love, I would love for you to. Because this is where we get into the nitty gritty. It's true. So this is Kim Cattrall. My mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, <laughs> that hypocrite, leave you alone? That's the end of the quote. <sighs> Your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. And then it's she... Uh, <laughs> the end is the best part, And then she, like, opinion. linked a New York Times post, but also said... Also copy... So it says copy and paste link, and then the New York It's post. a New York post, yeah. yeah. Yeah, New York Post. From, like, but October. She also copied and pasted where it says copy and paste. Oh, she did? Yeah. <laughs> so it says copy and paste link. Unless she's telling us to just copy that and could paste be, it. That could be, you know, that's open to interpretation, I think. Yes. Um. Yeah. So apparently they don't like each other. Which we've known for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently there was talk about a Sex and the City in 3. In, like, October, which is the thing that she's linking to is, like, the thing, the report from October. Kim Cattrall was like, fuck no. Right. And then Sarah Jessica Parker kind of did a bit of a media tour where she's like, it's unfortunate that not everybody's on board. Yeah. I feel like very bad for Kim Cattrall. I do too. I do too. I mean, this is not... Kim Cattrall is obviously going through a time. She's just suffered. There's been a loss in her family. She's trying to deal with some shit. If Sarah Jessica Parker sort of knows even on like a cellular level that they were not really the closest of friends... I don't know. I feel like on the one hand, it's probably she's probably thinking like, oh, it's a bad look if I don't like say something. I would say something to like any of the girls if this was happening. But I would just think to like think for like 37 seconds more or just like just don't or just text send a fucking email. The Instagram thing is gross, I think. Cynthia Nixon, uh, Mm -hmm. Miranda, Miranda. City also commented and uh Kim Cattrall's response to her was very friendly. Where she was, was like, like, "Thank you." She or was whatever. like, "It meant so much to hear your voice today because it was clear that she had also called." Right. I mean, I'm not like trying to get into like the business of their feud. No. Even. I mean, of course, I want to be I in mean, the business of that. I'd love to know everything about it. But just the public display, yeah, is incredible. Yeah. And I am Team Kim, 100. Obviously, I will always be Team Kim. And then the most recent update, which is completely unnecessary, but still happened, so whatever. Andy Cohen thought that he would just offer his opinion about this, and he defended Sarah Jessica Parker and said, essentially, 
there's only one person fighting here. I'm just like, all right, congrats, Andy. You really burned the woman whose brother just like, was found leave dead. Everyone alone. <laughs> like like Jesus everybody. Christ. So after that Instagram post, I would like to think that Sarah Jessica Parker has gotten the message. <sighs> but I don't know if she I mean, I don't, I don't try I don't know. The only thing that can sum up all of this mm. is Yama Kipiebo. They <laughs> The next item is dirty and it's awful and it's, it's real gross. Real gross. Maddie, I'll let you. Last week, yes. Uh, Tipster sent Jezebel uh, this audio of Quentin Tarantino uh, saying really disgusting things about Roman Polanski's victim, his 13 year old rape victim, mm. who lest you forget, was plied with champagne and quaaludes and then Mm. raped in a hot tub. He, this was from a 2003 Howard Stern interview where he just like, just is obviously trying to be the provocateur, but he's choosing this like 13-year-old girl as his target. Yeah. How can you defend? See, I don't understand this. How come Hollywood embraces this madman, this director who raped a 13-year-old. That's not statutory rape. You know, he had sex with a, with a minor, all right? That's not rape. To me, when you use the word rape, all right, right you're talking about violent, throwing them down. It's like one of the most violent crimes in the world. You can't throw, you know, throwing the word rape around is like throwing the word racist around, all okay, right? You know, okay. it just doesn't apply to everything that people use it for, all right? You know, he was, he was guilty of having sex with a minor. All right. That she didn't want to have. No, that was not the case at all. She wanted to have it. Well, and dated, the dated, dated the guy, dated the guy, dated and and she fa- was thirteen, and found out. Well, and by the way, we're talking about America's morals. We're not talking about the morals in Europe and everything. Uh, Wait a second. Morals you in Europe, sex morals in China. With a thirteen-year-old girl, and you're a grown man. Uh-huh. You know that that's wrong because oh, no, she's giving her booze and, and pills. I'm not. I'm not look. She was down with it. It was really gross. Um, but since we published that, Tarantino has like issued a an apology to Samantha Geimer, who is the now grown woman mm. who he was talking about. She's been interviewed about it. She's sort of just like, yeah, people have said worse things about me yeah. since that happened. So yeah. okay. onwards and upwards. Yep, you just know? Still living, gotta go. Um, but I guess the main reason we should even talk about it here mm. is just because I want everybody to know that Quentin Tarantino is awful. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Um, and has, like, long been a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, Uma Thurman had that piece in the oh, New York Times, right. that Maureen Dowd piece about how he had kind of like manipulated her, her into doing this very dangerous mm-hmm. stunt and was also, like, well aware of Harvey Weinstein's sexual assault. Yeah. I don't know if he was aware of that part, but— He just knew. He was, like, um, aware that it was not good. Yes, Weinstein. and it was really damning. And then, like, since then, it's like, you don't even have to dig deep with him. It's just like, oh, yeah. watch one interview with him, and mm-hmm. you will find one million problems, yeah. which is not shocking from, like, a white guy who loves the N-word that much. He does. He's passionate about the N-word. He's passionate about, like, women in his films being, like, vi- like extreme violence. Yeah, getting, like, the shit kicked just out of Just all them. the time. Um, He also, even if he wasn't, even if, like, you didn't have those two facts, he just looks and acts and talks and sounds like a fucking dick. Yeah. I've never cared for Tarantino. Yeah, I think in high school I liked Kill Bill in the way that everyone in high school liked it. No, okay, okay. But I actually recently tried to rewatch it and mm. I couldn't do it. Really? Yeah, I my tolerance for that kind of violence has really gone down mm. as I've gotten older. Mm-hmm. 
And also it was just like, I think like knowing right. what we know yeah, yeah. makes it uncomfortable for me. Yeah. Did not work out. I get that. But just another poor man. Another bad man. Another just, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for these guys. It's a witch hunt. Okay. All right. That is a joke. But yeah. <laughs> I was saying this to someone the other day. If this was, if this was a witch hunt, mm. I would have taken down so many men who I hate. Yeah. So I think the fact that, like, Jesse Eisenberg's still working oh my God. shows that this is not a witch hunt. Next up, I went to a Justin Timberlake Man of the Woods pop-up store retail experience. Was it in the woods? It was not in the woods. It was in Soho. Oh, the woods of Manhattan. The woods of Manhattan. Justin Timberlake released an album called Man of the Woods. It is not good. He recently performed on the Super Bowl halftime show. That was also not good. He did like zero songs from the new album because it is not good. He did all of his old songs, which are actually fine, closed out, I think, with like the Trolls song. Yeah. And then (laughs) whatever. It was like a very limp performance. But to promote this album and promote the Jordan 3s that he wore exclusively that were like co-designed by him at the Super Bowl, Justin Timberlake... And whoever curated this, like, pop-up experience. Was it all journalists or was it, like, sneaker? No, there was this girl behind me who was, like, sneakerhead's nice. (laughs) (laughs) There was this girl behind me who was saying that she was a fan of JT's music, but she really wanted to come to see if they had any of the Jordans left because she really wanted to buy them for her brother. And this guy in front of her, was they were having a conversation over me, and then I occasionally— chimed in when I was done like, like typing on my phone. Um, and the guy behind me was like, ahead of me was like, I won't pay more than $200, which is $200 is what they retail for. They're sold out. None were available in the store. You could only see them in like a little glass box because everything was arranged like a museum Ooh. with like, there was like an axe. There was oh, beard he's oil, a man, of, he's the a man of the woods. So like everything for sale corresponded with a track on the album. Yes. And he's done, like, partnerships with, like, Warby Parker. Yep. With Pendleton. With Pendleton. This axe company. A couple of streetwear designers. This guy named Heron Preston. Levi's, right? Levi's. Yep. People bought stuff, but no one seemed to, like, I saw a couple of people leaving with, like, a shopping bag, but no one bought, like, an axe. No one bought the fucking beard oil. No one bought, like, a $50 moleskin. They were mostly leaving with, um, like, the merch that you would see, like, at one of his shows. Yeah. Like, T-shirts. Also, it's just like, Justin, you have become so dorky that you have somehow made sneakers, axes, blankets. Mm -hmm. Beard oil. Shirts and jeans all uncool. Yeah. Yeah, you're just like— You just made pants completely uncool. He's trying—he's just trying to be—he's a dad. He's, like, a mid-30s dad in L.A., and he's trying to, like, be cool again, and he should just lean into, like, his dad persona. I just think every time I watch him, I just wish I was watching Bruno Mars. Mm. And then— True. And then it's just like, well— Yep. I guess 
that's 20 minutes wasted not watching Bruno Mars. <laughs> Um, it was really stupid, and I'm so glad that I stood in the pouring rain, and I'm just, I'm glad. I'm glad I stood in line for 20 minutes. I guess what I will say is, cry me a fucking river, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I hate you. Everyone is very excited about the Olympics, myself included. The Olympics time is a weird time because people who are not normally celebrities will be made into celebrities for like however long three weeks that the Olympics goes on goes on for. So right now, a bunch of stuff has happened, but the three celebrities that I can think of that have come out of the Olympics at this juncture are Chloe Kim, a 17-year-old snowboarder who won gold in the halfpipe. She's amazing. And she was like tweeting while competing. She's tweeting while competing. She's incredible. There's another 17-year-old, a little boy, Sorry, that's gross. He's not a little boy. He's 17. I feel like that's very young. A young man. A young man. His name is Red Gerard, which is like quite a lot of name. Yeah. He won some shit. I think he also won a gold. He's great. Mariah Nagasu is a figure skater who had like a very, you know, like troubled rise to the Olympics. Like she wasn't there in 2010. Now she is here. She landed the first triple axel that a woman has ever landed at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, the losses for Tanya just keep happening. It's true. <laughs> and then Adam Rippon. I feel like they've been saying he's like the first out figure skater. That seems impossible. I agree. But that's neither here nor there. This is what they're saying. That also feels very like Sam Smith being like, I'm the first gay man to ever win yes, an Oscar. And 100%. Ian McKellen's like, what's up? Like no one has asked Johnny Weir. But I think Johnny yeah. Weir wasn't out when he was a figure skater. There's no way that's true. I think it is. Three things I know about Adam Rippon are that he is, that the press has been saying that he is like the first out. I mean, I believe, I believe you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm like really trying to convince you. I believe you. I, it's, it's so he. He's the one who refused to meet Mike Pence, He's right? the one who refused to meet cool. Mike Pence. He also skated very well. And there is footage of him singing Diamonds by Rihanna at, I think, at like a championship in Japan, like last year. We're beautiful like diamonds in the sky. Come on, Osaka, let me hear you. Wow. He is a lot of luck. Um, and that that is my Olympics update. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to watch more and more. And then it'll be over and then we'll all forget about it. Yeah, then it'll be Oscar time. Oh, Jesus, you're right. Yeah. Fuck. It never ends. It never ends. I'm so excited to be sitting here with our guest, Hazel Sills, pop culture reporter at Jezebel. Um, she's here to talk with us about her piece about the rise and fall of the pop star purity ring published on Jezebel.com in January. It is excellent. Everyone read it. 
And Hazel, hello. Hi. Hazel, what an amazing thing to discuss on our Valentine's Day episode. That's right. It's very sexy. Purity mm. rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not very romantic. Is yeah, well, hot. if any, maybe it is. Maybe it's like the longing. That's why teens are like so horny, just because they're not. Oh, yeah. True. Good point. Mm-hmm. I always forget. A lot of them aren't actually doing it. True. They but, can't bone yet. No, no I mean, I mean they, they, sh- they shan't. <laughs> they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yes. But they shan't. They shan't bone. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, Hazel is, of all of our staff, the most recently a teen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a youth. She is. She yeah. is. Does that ever get annoying that, like, we're like, oh, it's Hazel? I mean, it doesn't get annoying because, like, I know that I'm so much stronger than you. <laughs> <laughs> and that I will outlive you. It's and true, actually. So, like, you, you guys make jokes about my age, and then I'm very quietly like, ha, 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 I will live. <laughs> that is such a good point. I, Hazel will outlive us both. Um, well, and then well, she's I don't know. Definitely gonna like after she dies, her ghost will possess a <laughs> yes, doll of her, right. cho- or yeah. her choosing. And so, if anything, yeah. she's just Annabelle. I'm, I'm so excited. Forever. Um, okay, great. <laughs> now that we've established Hazel's credentials, um, haunted doll out of the way. All right. So let's first talk about the advent of the purity ring and maybe just explain what the fuck a purity ring is, not the band. Yeah. For so starters. Pu- purity rings kind of came out of the uh, evangelical Christian purity movement in it started in the 80s, but it didn't really sort of make its way into pop culture until like the late 90s uh, and early 2000s. And a purity ring is a ring that you wear on your ring finger. And it usually, it's like a little silver ring and it usually has, you know, some sort of engraving that says, you know, true love waits Mm. or love waits. Basically a reminder to you at all times. Yeah, daddy's girl. (laughs) Yeah. You keep shouldn't your puss, keep your have sex yeah. until, you know, you're married. And they were really heavily and aggressively promoted by these groups called like True Love Waits mm-hmm. and Silver Ring Thing, which was the group that actually got government funding under the Bush administration for several years until the ACLU filed a lawsuit and it was like, actually, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah. That's and so fucked up. <laughs> it was a a ring that you got in a ceremony, you know, at these churches and these groups. But Mm -hmm. then there were all of these pop stars in, you know, the late 90s and into the 2000s that were wearing these rings, like Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato. Yeah, and that's basically sort of how purity rings came to be. They were kind of an invention Mm -hmm. of these uh, super Christian groups to kind of get teens into the church and— make a chastity cool. Yeah, which, I mean, (laughs) when you think about it, never actually worked, where it's like, you think about, like, the Jonas Brothers and their purity rings, Mm. and then you, like, read Joe Jonas's Rolling Stone interview, and he was like, oh, yeah, I was, like, having sex on the Disney lot. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, oh, well, all right. Yeah, that was one of the funnier parts of, because in the piece that I wrote, I went back to those old interviews, you know, with Miley Cyrus and... Selena Gomez when they were like 12 or 13 and mm. Miley Cyrus had that great quote when she was a tween where she said something along the lines of you know a lot of girls are really starting to fall these days <laughs> and, and like she's like that's why I love my purity ring and it's oh just God. funny to read that now and it's like, like think about yeah. her VMA's performance yeah. with just Robin. like smash <laughs> cut to wrecking ball yeah <laughs> oh 
God. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Robin Thicke performance is just the opposite of a purity ring. Yeah. It's just like an STD that you just get from watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of these stars have really, the, the purity ring thing, like very clearly peaked. They've all pivoted out of that. Is it just because these organizations lost the funding or is it because we just, as a society overall, we sort of are the way we think about like teen sexuality, which is like sounds gross, but it's fine. Like the way that we thought about that has evolved. It feels like it's evolved very quickly. It was only like 10 or so years ago. It's the Obama administration, Ming. That fixed it? It fixed it. I think it's a bunch of different things. I think it's, yeah, it's Obama bless him, uh, when he became president, he very quickly, you know, was starting to take that funding away that, mm-hmm. you know, Clinton and Reagan and Bush had sort of put into these programs. But I also think that a lot of those young stars, most of them who were at Disney at the time, they just sort of grew up. Like the purity movement was very heavily directed at teenagers, you know, right. people who were, you know, 14 to 18. Because then the assumption was that, you know, when you're a young adult, when you get into your 20s, you would get married, like right. you would get engaged. And so I think for a lot of them, they wanted to date people. Selena Gomez wanted to date Justin Bieber. <laughs> right. Um, and then I also think another thing, too, is that because so many of them were at Disney, for a lot of them, if they did anything that was out of line with their, like, pure Disney selves, it was considered, like— blasphemous. <laughs> I mean, and it definitely goes back farther than that, where it just, I remember like Jessica Simpson had this whole ad campaign oh, that yeah. was in Teen Mags that was like, I can be sexy. It doesn't mean I have to have sex. Yeah. And then, you know, it was like such a big deal that she was a virgin. And like, imagine everybody knowing when she married Nick Lachey that this was like, that, they were that like fuck. everyone knew the night she lost her virginity. Well, it's like Russell Wilson and Ciara. But they've, like, had both had yeah, sex before. but Russell had Russell Wilson? Yeah. Okay. Oh, he, I think was, he was married, wasn't I he? I didn't know that. I thought he was I a also, verge. <laughs> I also thought he no, was a No, I think they were, like, reborn verge. Reborn. Oh, it grows. Oh, I see. Things. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Because I think he was married before. Okay. Okay. So it's like, I don't know. And then you think of Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake claiming that they weren't having sex. And it's like, of course they were. And, like, Christina Aguilera, I think, had, like, probably the strongest pivot where it was, like, she was always sort of the bad one. And then dirty happened. And it was just, like, ooh, all bets are off, you know? It's funny that we put, like, young pop stars in this position where they have to grow up in front of the camera but can't do it steadily. They have to do it sort of they're young, they're young, they're young. Oh, no, now they're old. You know, like, there's not any evolution, really. The thing that I've been thinking about is sort of, like, the Disney studio system. A lot of these stars like Miley and Justin Timberlake and Britney uh, Britney Aguilera. Who the fuck is that? Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. They were all, um, they're all Disney stars, like Mickey Mouse Club, Hannah Montana bullshit, whatever. Is the Disney farm system still sort of in place? Like, is there a second generation of stars that the same, that will probably experience the same kind of like, I mean, I think, I think the the purity thing is not really an issue anymore for these young children. But, like, who are the next crop of Disney stars and what kind of, I guess, what kind of, like, restrictions are placed on them for being in the public eye? I mean, there was a super deliberate new-for-Disney effort that was going on in terms of putting out the music of those Disney stars in the Mm mid-2000s. Like, in my piece, I say that, 
you know, we don't give Hillary Duff enough credit, I guess, at Disney <laughs> for sort of introducing, like, without— I do. <laughs> without Hillary Duff's record metamorphosis, like, Miley's music so wouldn't yesterday. have existed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and Demi Lovato's music wouldn't have existed. And the, so that was totally new for Disney at the time because— they their record uh, labels were sort of failing and putting out um, movie soundtracks. And so the pop star thing was completely new for them. And honestly, the the new crop of Disney stars, they're not being marketed as heavily as pop stars. Like right. I think for a lot of them, acting is what they're interested in. Like I think about like Bella Thorne mm. and Zendaya. Mm-hmm who actually does release music through Disney but has an interesting sort of deal with Republic Records. Okay. So she's not just releasing music on Disney. And like Rowan Blanchard, she's not a pop star. She's on a Girl Meets World. Right. Right. She's more of an actress and an activist. Mm-hmm. So I think that the heavy, like, we have a record label and we're putting out all these stars who sort of work with each other, and it's kind of like a musical family of sorts. That mm-hmm. is actually kind of gone right now at right. Disney. And it's more about acting and the shows and things like that. I also don't think we can underestimate what Tumblr did, where I feel like now it is much more mainstream to be LGBTQ friendly or to identify as gender fluid or queer yourself mm-hmm. or, you know, that type of thing. These, like, young women are talking about feminism now and that type of thing, which is not to say that there isn't its own cynical marketing uh, scheme in this situation. Oh, yeah. But it's, like, I think that what is considered cool with teens and tweens has become a bit more progressive. And so it's, like, saying I'm a conservative Christian who isn't going to have sex is to most teens, like, very, very boring but being like, hey, I'm going to wear a Planned Parenthood t-shirt and also I maybe don't identify with the gender I was right. assigned at birth, you know, right. is considered more it's like more, Yeah, it's more like chic. Well, you think of like Bella rude. Thorne and she's just like mm-hmm. bisexual. She's out there. She's out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny because, again, I'm showing my age. I am a baby. You're not but- a baby. <laughs> You know, I'm only a few years younger than Miley Cyrus and, like, Selena Gomez. And I think people forget that that time period in, like, the mid to late 2000s, feminism wasn't cool. Mm, Like, it would be another four to five years before Beyonce got on stage at the VMAs with feminist. We teach girls that they cannot be sexual beings in the way that boys are. We teach girls to shrink themselves, to make themselves smaller. We say to girls, you can have ambitions, but not too much. You should aim to be successful, but not too successful. Otherwise, you will threaten the man. Feminist, a person who believes in the social, political, and economic equality of the sexes. The most popular pop singers at the time, like Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, they did not call themselves feminists. Right. You know, Taylor Swift was on the radio singing about how, like, getting a white dress and your boyfriend asking your dad for your hand Mm. in marriage was, like, the ultimate fantasy. And Right, Um, yeah, and your best friend gave it away, and now she's dirt. (laughs) She's doomed. Um, (laughs) I think something happened in, you know, 
the late 2000s. And yeah, I honestly think like Tumblr and like feminism on the internet and how Mm. it sort of became popularized and like how a lot of teenagers were being exposed to it did kind of change the way teenagers thought about sex. Mm -hmm. And so when I come back to that question of like, well, can something as strong as the purity ring pop star intersection happen again? Yeah. I don't know the answer to that, but Mm -hmm. I know that at a certain point, it just didn't seem, like you said, on trend anymore. Like something happened with teenagers and they became aware of things like- They got cool. They got cool. (laughs) (laughs) They became feminists. I don't know. Uh, You know, things like slut shaming were, Mm. you know, a thing suddenly. So I guess it was Obama. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I think we keep going back to Obama. (laughs) There's a cultural pendulum where- I'm sure it will swing back to a more conservative thing at some point. Right. I feel like right now it's very unpopular to be conservative in pop culture just because the majority of creatives are very understandably anti-Trump. And so it's like I think it's going to be a while before it swings more conservative again. But I do think it goes back and forth. Yeah. It's like pretty trackable. You yeah. Know? Um, one thing I was thinking about, though, is um, like – the rise of like Hillsong, like like that's Justin Bieber's church, and I get the sense from just reading very surface level shit about Hillsong that they they're not pushing the chastity thing because that's like pretty we've established pretty dead in the water, but it is sort of trying to usher in like a pure way of living, just making evangelism cool again, trying to somehow. So I wonder what that, how much that will actually influence. Because I think with Justin Bieber being involved, with, he's like kind of relaxed a little. I think that that's an interesting point. I wasn't thinking of the Hillsong stuff. But it is a lot of the people involved in it are those former Disney like kids. like Selena and Yeah, Justin, who I have kind of put aside. A bunch yeah. of other people that I don't. I mean, and Hillsong is really good at only presenting part of the story. Where yeah. it's like, you know, they won't really come out and say if they're anti-gay or not. Yeah. And they wouldn't say they're anti-gay, but they very much are like... They'd like PR their way around that to give us the impression that they were. Right. But their whole philosophy is very like, love the sinner, hate the sin. They don't really come out strong about abortion issues. They don't really do this, which doesn't mean that they don't have a stance on it. Right. It just means like they know that marketing-wise, it's a bad idea for them to just like come out as like, hard homophobes, which is, yes. I mean, good. You should not feel proud about that. But true, it's interesting and scary, like, how little control we actually have over it. Hillsong puts out music. Like what? The, yeah, the church puts out their own music, and Ew. it is, I, I believe, extremely popular. And, you know, Justin Bieber spending, obviously, a lot of time mm-hmm. with his pastor, mm-hmm. his hipster— What's his uh, name? Carl Lentz, Lentz, I think. That's right. yeah. yeah, with the glasses. So um, I'm very convinced that Justin Bieber is—I mean, his last record was—purpose uh, was actually very religious yeah. and deeply unsexy. If mm. you really think about Justin Bieber's music, he does not sing about sex at all. No, no. no. He think, gives you, like, yeah. the <laughs> suggestion—I mean, I would love to never— I've already want. seen his wiener. Yeah. I oh god, I forgot about he's that. He's gonna he's gonna either make an album with Hillsong or he's gonna like lead a church. Yeah, someday. So you, you think he'll eventually just pivot to like Christian rock or pop or whatever? Yeah. And so we've already talked a bunch about the purity movement in music, but 
you know, there's movies, film, TV, et cetera. So how did this sort of shit filter over into other parts of pop culture? Something that I didn't touch on in my piece is that you you saw elements of that, you know, evangelical, like, purity, chastity mm. culture uh, manifesting in other forms of pop culture. Like, I, Twilight, mm. I think, is a really good example. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, where it's very, very weirdly religious yes. and— Sort of you waiting to have sex, but it's a vampire. You're ruined. (laughs) Yeah, it's like sex. Just a reminder, he has to eat the baby out of her. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking disgusting. Thank you so much for that reminder because I didn't remember. I didn't remember until just now. That. Thank you so much. That and then the tampon scene in Fifty Shades of Grey are two things that I will never be able to. No, the tampon scene is I. Yeah. Yeah, but then there was also a lot of um, movies and TV shows about teen pregnancy. Oh, um, yeah. There was The Secret Life of the American Teenager. Shailene. Shailene Woodley's oh. first role, ABC Family Show, where she gets pregnant and she has the baby. And it's it's all about—I'll I, I, admit I did not watch a lot of it. That but seems okay. Very um, conservative show. And then mm. there was Teen Mom, which, ah, yes. you know, isn't— it it definitely certainly normalized teenage pregnancy, mm-hmm. but it was also, you know, another example of a show that was like, well, this is what your life, you know, is like if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the first couple of seasons did actually a pretty good job of that, <laughs> where people were like worried that it glamorized it. <laughs> it did like, not it glamorize it. No, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So oh. I think all those things were also maybe not directly or obviously influenced mm-hmm. by evangelical Christianity, but I think it's sort of like bubbled up. Something that's interesting about writing this piece is that, so for context, like I grew up Jewish. I grew up in New Jersey, pretty secular town, went to a public high school, but I had abstinence education. Really? I never learned how to put on a condom on anything. There was barely any discussion of birth control. And I remember being like 15, 14, and my health teacher who was like also the gym teacher always always um, she was just kind of like you know you have to wait you have to wait and i remember thinking but like wait until what yeah right. what am i like, waiting wait for in, like eventually when i have sex like i'm gonna need to use birth control yeah. so like what are right what, what are what the am i options? waiting for so yeah. that was kind of scary too cuz you know in the piece i outlined sort of how much government funding was behind abstinence mm-hmm. first, abstinence until marriage, mm-hmm. education, and, you know, it's still happening. Donald Trump obviously is cutting a lot of funding for, like, comprehensive sex education. And just sort of thinking back on my own high school, middle, middle school experiences and thinking, like, oh, that's why. Yeah. That's why yeah. I never saw a condom <laughs> in health class. It's so crazy. And I went up. to a public high school. Yeah. I will say it's like advice for anyone raising children out there. My parents were so overly educational about sex ed stuff. Mm. And I stayed a virgin for like an embarrassingly long time. So (laughs) I don't know. Tell kids everything. Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. And if they're a nerd, no one's no one's still gonna want to have sex. With <laughs> yeah, them. they'll so, figure it out. They'll be yeah. fine. Have less hot kids. That's that. <laughs> yeah. Make uglier children, yeah. America. That's and good then advice. Nobody Very will advice. fuck yeah, until they want to. Go. Yeah, it'll be fine. Um, 
All right. Well, thank you. Thank Hazel, you. We love you as we a do. peer, not as a daughter. Not as a small baby <laughs> or a haunted a doll. A small baby. I do love you as a haunted doll, though. Just FYI. Thank uh, you for having me. Yay. Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Hazel Sills. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp. Modern Amofiti is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. If you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. <laughs>